You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, welcome back to Shaping Surfing on the Surf Splendor Network. This is David Scales. Today's episode features surfboard shaper Manny Caro. Remember that episode of Wax On I did with Jack Coleman? I've been like up at five. I've had this weird kind of energy right now. I guess I'm just kind of really excited for summer, especially when there's waves. Well, when I was researching that episode, it was taking a ton of time just because Jack has so many short films. So I was just skimming through most of them uh, because I'd seen a lot of them previously anyway, but one of them in particular caught me transfixed, and I watched the entire thing twice. It was about six minutes long. It's called Proportional Harmonics, and it features surfboard shaper Manny Caro. The main surfer is actually masked in the movie, like wearing a full-on black ninja mask. looks like it's attached to his wetsuit. Um, without even eye holes cut out, it must just you must be able to see through it. It's kind of hilarious, but he's going super fast on a right point break. And then um, he's riding a really little board that has these little finlets in it. So he's, he's getting a lot of drive out of the board and going real fast. But then at the same time, he's doing spins and he's breaking the fins free. So the shaper, Manny Caro, as Jack's interviewing him, he's shooting target practice with a bow and arrow in his backyard. And he's holding up the arrow and explaining how the little wings on the tail of the arrow have provided inspiration for his surfboard designs. So I'm going to let him explain it to Jack for you to listen. It's fun. It's just another hobby that's really fun. And it's just a whole nother thing to learn and get good at and practice. But it always comes back. It's like it's a martial art. It's training you to focus and not necessarily achieve perfection, but to try to achieve towards that goal of getting better and better. And so I think like that's a, it's just like, that's the same with shaping. You can never make a perfect surfboard. You can just keep on working and making a better one, hopefully every time. Fin templates for the mini fins. This is where all these ideas are coming from. So we're trying to find with these finlet boards, what fin templates, these what, what surface area size is gonna work for different size waves, different speed, how fast you're going. This is where all this stuff is coming from. It's just coming from something that's older than writing. So by the end of this six minute video, I was struck that Manny didn't really ever discuss surfboard design per se. He only referenced it from designs in nature, how water and air move around other objects um, designs in nature that have been honed for thousands and thousands of years. One of my biggest inspirations has been um, this book by Georgi Doxy called The Power of Limits. It basically talks about phi, the golden ratio and the golden spiral and all of those proportional harmonics in nature and art. Like when we see things that are designed well, it's because it's as if nature designed them. Huh. So I'm like intrigued. Golden ratio, fee, 
proportional harmonics. Curious what all of this is. So, of course, go to Google, come across Wikipedia. Wikipedia explains it very detailed. It's a lot of words. None of them really made much sense to me. So I always go to step two, YouTube, and uh, I found this math nerd explaining it. What is the golden ratio? It's the ratio of sides of a special rectangle, a golden rectangle. If you cut off a square, the leftover rectangle has the same proportions as the original rectangle. That is, A plus B over A equals A over B. This ratio is often represented with the Greek letter phi. Right. So it actually, the golden ratio has a mathematical value, 1.618 and then kind of an infinity number of numbers afterwards, which is essentially to say that it's the length of the top of a square divided by the length of the side. This proportion shows itself all throughout nature, life, and math. It turns out that these patterns are actually all around you, and economists use the understanding of the ratio, these patterns, to predict financial markets. Artists like Salvador Dali and Leonardo da Vinci use this ratio not only to select a canvas size, but also to configure shapes, objects, and proportions within their paintings. The golden ratio is in everything from the way a rose petal blooms to the way a hurricane forms. If you view it you know, from outer space, from one of those satellite images, you could see the center of it working its way larger. That is the golden ratio. So the inside of a seashell rep- is represented by the golden ratio. Um, while all of these things, the fact that it happens throughout nature, while all of that is very interesting to take note of, you have to ask yourself, why? Why does nature do it this way? Well, here's mathematician Rob Ensman explaining why in a recent TED Talk. This is a sunflower, and you can see the spirals coming from the center and going clockwise and counterclockwise, and it turns out these are the golden spirals that we're looking for. It doesn't seem very intuitive at first, but the Mayans saw these patterns. They looked at the petals, they saw the petals grow in these spirals, and they were usually a Fibonacci number of spirals. How could this possibly be? Well, here's a thought experiment to try and see how this works. Imagine that you're a sunflower, and you want to pack as many seeds as possible onto your disc, because then you're more likely to pass on your seeds, have lots of children, and Darwin smiles on your existence. So as you're growing out, you have to figure out where you're going to place each of the seeds, right? Well, let's say, as you're growing out, you decide to put one every one-third of the circle, just for whatever reason. And then you'll notice that these just get these straight lines of seeds that all stack on top of each other. This is not good. This is a lot of empty space that you could have had seeds, so you're less likely to live very long as a sunflower that uses one-third. But if instead you use one phi, and you go a phi of the way around the circle every time, they're never going to overlap. And this has to do with the fact that phi is so far from a simple ratio. So what actually happens is you get a Fibonacci number of arms that are all packed together as closely as possible. And this, you can very clearly count them. There's 21 going that direction and then 13 going the other way. And of course, 13 and 21 are both Fibonacci numbers that are right next to each other. I want you to imagine that you're tiling your bathroom floor, but you want to do something really cool. You want to be able to pick it up, turn it one-fifth of the way around, put it back down, and have it look exactly the same. But you can't use this pentagon because, you know, your bathroom floor is a rectangle. And you can't use a bunch of pentagons because it has these holes in the middle of it. So if you turn it, it's not going to fit. In the 1970s, Roger Penrose did something extremely clever. He took this pentagon and a pentagram inside of it, and then he saw if you have the length of the side to be 1, then the diagonal will always be phi. 
Then he took this triangle and this triangle and made this tiling pattern, which is one, beautiful, and it has that really interesting property where if you turn it and rotate it one-fifth of the way, put it back down, it will fit perfectly on top of itself. Understanding this math, these ratios, these patterns, allows nature the best chance at perpetuating a species, but it also allows tilers to lay tiles without leaving gaps. Surfboard shaper Manny Caro uses these patterns and this understanding, these ratios, to dictate curves in his rail lines and rocker, contours on the bottom and the deck of his surfboards, the template, the rake, the cant of his fin designs. So I knew of Manny's work prior to seeing him in this Jack Coleman video, mainly just through Instagram. Mandela Custom Shapes is the name of his board brand, and then Swallowtail Society is his Instagram handle. The boards are unique looking, so I wasn't sure how much gimmickry versus functionality, but the thing that I constantly heard from people who rode them, rode his boards, was that they excel in less than ideal surf. You know, they excel in marginal waves. So while I'd like to aspire to ride what John John rides, I'm kind of past that point in my life and I've accepted my role as kind of a lifelong intermediate. And the idea of a surfboard designed for an intermediate surfer and marginal surf hugely appealed to my practical side. So I scheduled some time with Manny to chat about his designs, his theory, his origin story. We actually recorded this conversation in the parking lot behind a shaping bay at Moonlight Glassing in San Diego, California. So you'll hear a few trucks backing up for the first few minutes of the interview. It clears up at some point. Nevertheless, I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I'll be back at the end of this episode to sign us off. And then, of course, to tell you about this fin exploration program that we have with Fanatic. Fanatic.com, promo code podcast. I'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, but until then, enjoy this conversation with Manny Caro of Mandela Custom Shapes. Thanks. I think with the golden ratio, like, there might be a lot of really stringent rules that sort of surround it and, um, with regard to design, especially like if you're looking at how, how it relates to like architecture, art, music, there's all these sort of like really hard line like design elements that people really kind of stick to with with numbers. Um, like I've always tried to find sort of this um, I, like nice blend of um, just finding what feels good and looks good and see and based off of um golden proportions and golden ratios um you know once if you stick to any especially with surfboard design if you stick to any kind of like rigid rules um you you can either say that you know where the limits are and those are the boundaries within your design or you can um um, and, and within those limits, you can you can play a lot. There's a lot of leeway. Um, you don't have to stick to like specific numbers to say that you're sticking to the golden ratio. Um, I feel like if you're dealing with curves, any component of any portion of any curve is always going to incorporate some element of the golden ratio because it is a curve. Um, 
so you know I can't say that like um, these my boards all have like perfect golden ratios to them like you, you have to sort of use the golden ratio as a baseline for design and then once you 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 um, you find that baseline you can deviate away from that baseline plus or minus whatever feels good and I think like um, that's the beauty of the golden ratio like nature is really flexible um, um, surfboards should be just as flexible because you're dealing with a dynamic you're, you're, you're in a dynamic environment you're you know not every wave is shaped the same I mean like where a lot of the places where I surf the waves are soft and so like the boards that I'm making are usually made for sort of everyday waves for everyday people um, and I think that's that, that that's just been my like my 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 prime sort of directive or my 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 motivation is to make boards that are easy to surf and fun and and uh, um, finding that sort of like happy medium in board design is is um, it just seems a little bit more realistic for me because like I I have a lot of friends who are who work and they don't get to surf as often as a lot of my a lot of uh, some people I know <laughs> who yeah. are kind of especially people who work in the surf industry um, so the time that they have is like it's really precious and so when they get out there they just need to board that has functional volume and it's easy to paddle easy to catch waves and it's easy to surf and it's fun to surf um, surfing shouldn't be a struggle um, I know there's a lot of people out there who um, their their reference is um, professional surfing and it's and it's great because you know professional surfing really pushes the bar in terms of performance and maneuvers and what can be done like pro like progression is is always been a good thing um, but for most of us um, we're kind of on lower like we're we, we're not we're not up in the top of the pyramid we're kind of in the middle. Where, and so a lot of us are at the bottom, so we're just out there to like catch waves, go down the line, and have fun with our friends. Mm -hmm. You know, we're dealing with liquid, dynamic medium. Um, things are moving, things are changing constantly on on a wave, and so your board has to sort of um, adapt in a lot of ways to what's happening. Um, especially if the waves aren't that good, you're sort mm -hmm. of you have really have to maximize what's 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 been um, presented to you uh, I think like if, if you're lucky you live at a, in, a, in a place where there's really good waves all the time like I, I know a lot of people who you know I lived in a city for a really long time lived in San Francisco and like the waves can get good there but a lot of times it's just sort of you know you're just sort of scrapping right. for like whatever I have friends in Tokyo who um, their day, their idea of a good wave or a good day is like it's almost laughable for California standards, but I mean, it does get good there in a lot of places, but, you know, and, and same goes for people in New York. Um, you know, there's a lot of like really mushy, crappy days and then it's all of a sudden there's a swell and it's like epic. Right. But um, like, you know, I, I like making boards for those sort of everyday daily driver wave down the beach kind of conditions, you know? And so um, I feel like um, I'm doing my, my, my service is there you know like I'm, I'm offering sort of that service to people when I'm when I'm making boards for just regular folks yeah um, 
I was gonna I was trying to connect that to proportional harmonics but I feel like proportional harmonics is just sort of another element of the um, golden ratio where um, oh we need to we need to redirect here I, I feel That's like fine. I've sort of lost the thread no I'll I'll redirect uh, okay. I guess when I talk to other surfboard shapers so much of it is either based in st strictly what they've learned from shapers along the way you know um, mm -hmm. their mentors that sort of sure. thing some people it's very kind of mathematical mm -hmm. and then other people it's very artistic mm -hmm. you're the first person who I've seen when you talk about uh, board design as basing it off of nature and basing it I'm sure that you have mentors and influences mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff as well mm -hmm. but it seems that your even those things you're referencing off of what nature has taught us about design maybe there's other people who have treated surfboard design that way too you're the first one who i've encountered yeah i mean i i feel like shaping is it's it's definitely for me at least it's it's um this meeting place between the subjective and the objective um you know uh and definitely what a lot of the templates that I have were handed down to me um, from, you know, guys like Mark Andrini and Rich Pavel and um, Will Jobson and all of, I, I, I can't say that I come up with this stuff myself. Like I've, I've been taught all yeah. of this stuff and I've been sort of, um, I, I, I just take whatever I love from like design, whether it's from, you know, uh, some, some guy that I, I've, I've like found on Instagram who draws lines in, in like geometric forms to, um, you know, like writings of Georgi Doxy where he's talking in, um, about deep mathematics and like, and, and how, how the universe is sort of like just really mapped out for us in, with the golden ratio. I think, I think it's really important to recognize all of your influences when you're when you're creating something because it's really hard to be original you know yeah. but I feel like originality can be expressed in um, all of the influences that you have whether it's you know all of these like I all of these like influences from um, mathematics and design and um, even from um, like watching movies you know like every like we as a society now like I feel like we're we're really um, given so much information every day especially with social media like like um tv commercials that used to be 30 seconds long are now five seconds long on instagram or in, you know we're flipping 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 we're just constantly picking and choosing what we choose to um digest and make part of like our memory the surfboard design is trial and error surf you know surfboard design is is um working with what has worked for people in the past you know I've, I've only been shaping for 15 years and um i feel like everyone i've run across and every, every all the shapers i've i've met and um exchanged ideas with like every little thing sticks and like we take what we like you know and we 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 um we sort of um let go of the rest you know and i feel like um, as far as like design, you know, all of that stuff is expressed in sort of this collective like thought process of all the things that have influenced you, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
that's why I feel like, um, especially now, like there's, I when I was a when I was a, a young shaper, or even just like ten years ago, twelve years ago, like I was still just I was like a sponge, soaking up all this stuff. Like I was part of this new school of of sort of shapers that were um, being influenced by all of the information that was being readily accessed in on, on the internet. Right. You know, before the internet, um, if you wanted to be a shaper and you wanted to learn about this stuff, like you had to have connections or you had to be really good at holding a board in front of you and looking at it and mimicking it and sort of looking at the nuances of it and making the connection between those design elements and what they do and how they feel, you know. Um, nowadays, you can you can kind of go and like, like I've had people like send me emails and say, hey, uh, I want your Aku Shaper program for this board design. I'm like, um, uh, I write them back. I'm like, I don't do Aku Shaper. Uh, What is it? I, and if I did, why would I send you a file? Like, who are you again? Like, what? I don't get it. Yeah, like, can I have your proprietary information, please? You know, bizarre. But I feel like, um, yeah, that that sort of sense of, um, I don't know if it's entitlement or if it's just this expectation, like, that maybe everybody comes up with this stuff on the computer you know i don't know and on the internet everything's free so you probably give it for free right yeah so anyway i i i um i have to like be be really polite when i write back i'm like sorry uh yeah it doesn't really work that way but here's what you can do if you want to like give it a try mm-hmm. you know go grab a blank and copy a board that you like that's right there in front of you you know yeah and just like learning how to play a violin like you how do i play violin I'm like uh get lessons and practice <laughs> you talking talking about influences mm-hmm. um you mentioned andrini he i've oh, actually yeah. had him on the show as well oh yeah mark's great he's fantastic i've considered having rich pavel i just <laughs> was really kind of uh, overwhelmed by the prospect and not sure if i was up for the task how did you meet rich um, I met Rich through Thomas Campbell. Okay. Um, I think in like 98 or 99, possibly 2000. Um, Thomas was getting boards from Rich and um, he had, Thomas had a 511 quad fish with double wing and glass on marine ply fins from Gepi and um, we were going down, we were surfing trestles one day and he, I was pulling that board out of the van and he's like, no, no, don't bring that, try this. And he pulled that fish out and, and it kind of blew my mind because I'd, I'd ridden like kneeboard fishes and they weren't really dedicated to stand-up fishes and um, that board kind of changed everything. It was, it, was, it was a little big for me at the time, but... Um, it was probably one of the fastest boards I'd ridden. Oh, okay. And I remember trying to go into a turn and I just, my legs buckled. I couldn't even like stay on top over the board through a cutback. And that kind of just like, that just sort of set up a lot of dominoes in my head of like, okay, this is what I want to, I want to figure this out. And I hadn't, I hadn't started shaping it. Okay. And, um, so Thomas introduced me to Toby, to Rich and, um, I met up with Rich, put in an order, and 
you know, R Rich has always been really hard to get boards from, and um, if you're lucky, you'll get a board like turned around under six months. You know, um, the board was taking a lot longer than that, so um, I decided to kind of like try my hand at making my own, and I realized, whoa, this is really scary like this is really hard this is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be like when I was a kid it was kind of like when I was a kid like thinking about making surfboards was kind of like making airplanes hmm. you know like like who makes airplanes that's impossible that's so hard how do you even start you know and so um, a, a buddy of mine um, we got blanks together and we decided to shape our own boards and that sort of like started that this really crappy progression of boards for a while and then um, I finally got the board from Rich and um, it blew my mind and like when when I went to go pick it up he he like he's like hey you know Thomas said you've been shaping like I have a present for you and he and, uh, and he gave me um, a template of a 5.5 five quad fish is a continuous curve template I still have it I use it all the time it's um, it's one of those curves that it's it's like a giant French curve hmm. so you can use it to build almost anything hmm. um, so you know like if coming full circle with that um, golden ratio you know golden ratio is basically um, a spiral and so if you were able to like plot out a spiral um, of varying degrees of um, size you could have templates for almost anything you could make as a surf for uh, like you know for shaping so um, yeah Toby's Toby's an interesting character I feel like um, what a generous gift yeah it was kind of out of the blue and like I I, I was a little worried that there were there was gonna be a catch sure you know but um, you know he he, I think he was impressed with the board that I had showed him that I had made, oh, okay. and he wanted, he saw the potential, and he was like, "Okay, well, we'll, we'll give you like a little redirect here." And like, I, I was learning a lot. Um, I, I never really worked for him. We did sort of trades. There was a point where, um, when when Clark closed their doors, um, after about two weeks, I was out of blanks. And nobody had blanks, and everybody wanted to charge like an arm and a leg for what they had, and um, it was kind of a really hard time. Um, I think with like you know, Rich invited me to come down and um, get some blanks from his little storage unit that he had up um, this little secret spot in North County, and um, I traded ten Clark Foam six two Cs for. Um, doing him some favors like sh you know uh, shaping some boards for him kind of ghost shaping for him um, that was short-lived I, I really didn't really I really didn't want to work for anybody else because mm -hmm. I was trying to work really hard to um, get my own thing off the ground it was a struggle you know so guys like Rich are they're really successful in what they do and um, I think they're at the time he was really trying to to um, sort of cultivate a stable of, of up-and-coming shapers who were going to work for him. And he was able to do that um, uh, with some people and, and really help their careers, like uh, DJ Kane, um, Ian Zamora, 
um, I think Ian did a little work for him. Can't remember. Anyway, um, he sort of. I, I felt like I was being groomed to become like his his ghost shaper, and I didn't really want to go in that direction. I just I would. I really wanted to kind of work on some stuff that would that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and but you know, every once in a while he'll pop his head in to the door and scare the crap out of me, and he'll either have like some sort of giant beard that I. I, I, it'll take me, you know, 10 seconds to recognize who he is. Yeah. Or, you know, he'll just be clean-shaven rich, like, right there, all yeah. of a sudden, out of the blue. Um, I think that's sort of been his trademark, is to sort of, like, catch people off guard and, like, kind of keep them on their toes. He Asking him a yes or no question always ends up into an open-ended question, or an open-ended answer that takes half an hour and then at the end of it all you've already forgotten what you asked him and right he's you're just sort of putty in his hand you know he has that sort of jedi mind trick ability you you learned you didn't even care what you originally asked anyways because the answer he gave you was just more fascinating you know yeah it's yeah. funny yeah i think he, he he's 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 really well read so he's really able he's he's really able to like um uh, express himself really well so he 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 tends to use words as a, like they're his toys mm -hmm. and with his toys he can sort of like you it, unless you're really strong-willed you you end up kind of being his puppet yeah but you just gotta like <laughs> you gotta rich he's he's a character there's a lot of people who like him and there's a lot of people who don't like him and um you know, I'll 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 leave his history and his actions like up to him. I, I yeah, sure. Talk no, I like him. Um, how did that board go? The one that you got? Do you have more than one at this point? Or um, I no, I that well, I had one. I had that one. That one went insane. Um, I surfed it for about five years straight, and then um, I kind of put it into a bag because it was starting to break down, and I didn't want it to like fall apart because I felt like it was like this sort of like. Um, it was a piece of my history. Yeah. I had kind of gleaned as much as I could at that time. Every couple of years I busted out and it's looking like a whole, it looks like a whole totally different board all over again. So it's one of those keepers that, that, um, I'm going to hold on to for a long time. Interesting. Yeah. You mentioned spending time in San Francisco. What brought you up there? Well, um, I was kind of, um, going back and forth between living in Santa Cruz and San Francisco and oh, Oakland okay. um, there was there were a lot of I had a lot of friends who were sort of moving back and forth and then we all sort of like moved and lived together and did fun things together and so we were kind of like this we were kind of like a, a unit and um, I am um, I was really lucky to be a part of um, Mollusk when they first opened um, uh, I was introduced to John McCabridge um, through Thomas Campbell again and um, he told me like hey you know like this is this is going to be something special I think you should be a part of this and um, San Francisco and Mollusk it was such, sort of like this really amazing incubator for this is really creative community of um artists and craftsmen and 
um, business-minded people who like all kind of got together and were like holding hands saying, okay, we're going to sort of jump into this and see if it works, you know? Um, for a solid two years, every day I came in to Mollusk, it was sort of like I was pinching myself. Like, you know, there's tree houses in a surf shop. There's designs that were so hard to get before, and now they're just sort of on display on a rack. You know, you kind of got to get them before they go all, you know? Mm -hmm. I think they're really formative in this um, this resurgence, this sort of design renaissance that happened in um, the early 2000s when um, people started it, 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 I guess I guess these hard to find designs were finally getting easier to find and so like the access to them was um, was it gave people an opportunity to, to try things they normally never would have tried and then and, and, what, and, the, and I think the best thing that came out of it was um, a lot of shapers who were so obscure and, and, and you know like um, like Mark Andrini like it was hard to get a board from him a long time ago like if you didn't know who he was because he was he was just doing his thing um, he was working at the insurance company and making surfboards in his spare time um, he his him and his boards they sort of generated this they were I felt like they were really central to like mollusk you know everybody had one and it was almost kind of like being um, part of like this hush-hush secret club of like, hey, like, let's go ride holes and have fun again. And, and when Mark would come around, he was like Santa Clauses and here, you know, and like, oh my gosh, like, let's go sit on his lap and hear some <laughs> stories, you know. Um, and it's still like that with him. I, I think like um, my memories of San Francisco, like he, Mollusk and and Mark are definitely like the first things I think of. Yeah. Well, I, um, I romanticize, uh, San Francisco as a surf scene in my head. I've never really spent any amount of time there, but it, I think it was in place prior. But then when I read Finnegan's barbarian days, mm -hmm. you know, he travels around the world and like mm -hmm. Tavarua and like all these Portugal, all these interesting places. But for me, the most important or in most interesting surf destination in the book was San Francisco and his experiences with Renneker and stuff like that. And I almost had no interest in surfing big days in Ocean Beach that he talked about. Right. But there was still a glamour to it yeah. that reminded me almost of like the North Shore in the 70s or something like that. Um, so I was interested to hear your kind of experience there. And then also... I know you started out by saying the boards that you build are like for everyday surfers and kind of average waves, certainly that we have here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. But were the boards you were building in San Francisco different than the boards that you're now building here? They changed. They did. They okay. did change. Like for the waves or yeah, for just there were, your design there were interest? there were a few designs that um, I like. I discovered that um, helped me deal with. Um, hollower waves there like I, I i wasn't out on the big days um you know danny hess and 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 um john kitamura they were all out they were like trying to get me to go and i was like i probably won't even be able to make it out guys and then i'll drown that'll be a bummer <laughs> you know um but um you know in between swells when like 
especially in the fall when you get high pressure in the offshores and it, it might be just head high or a little few feet overhead and it's just so clean that you could you could backdoor waves and get barreled um a lot of the fish that i was making back then were outrunning barrels okay and um just going too fast um what i i i was kind of trying to figure out like what would work and you know aside from a shortboard um so i i was doing a lot of research and i found like these little five tens that they're like round pins um that guys were surfing in backdoor um the late 70s and just little boards but they were getting you know they're getting tubed and they were able to like do um big turns and they were riding single fins and the bottoms were flat to v little concave here and there but not a whole lot like in terms of like what we have today relative to what we have today and um so i took sort of that fish platform and just um i kept as much of the um the nose outline as i could because i liked that width and i'm and i was making six o's five ten six o's wide point forward uh rounded pins um pretty much the same as similar as i could glean from the videos that i was watching like um uh spider willis and um um shoots i forgot his his buddy's name that they made all those style masters movies um they they got a lot of footage of backdoor on these little boards and like um those round pins were really really working for me in in ocean beach and that those kind of became like my my go-to boards for for the ways that i could handle yeah there you know um as far as like rocker and concaves um touch more tail rocker <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um uh but not er- everything s- still kind of stayed um I stuck with single to spiral V just because that sort of paper airplane Venturi concave just worked for me and it was um, it just made a lot of sense and in those waves it it wasn't too fast and it had all the control that I wanted um, for what I was able to do on a wave what brought you down to San Diego um, moonlight glassing <laughs> really yeah um, I was approached by um, a guy named Tony Tony Jordan who had a shop in Puerto Rico called um, Playero, and he wanted to get some some fish from me, but he wanted them glassed at moonlight. And he'd been getting bonzers and boards, all kinds of boards um, from moonlight. And so I I I was introduced to the guys at moonlight through him. And at the time, I was living up in um, San Francisco, and I was driving boards down every month to san diego san diego wow i I can't remember if i was living in santa cruz because i was shaping in santa cruz um for a little bit it might have been santa cruz but even still not that big yeah it was just hard to like you know truck down like 20 30 boards at a time and maybe not 30 (laughs) i had a truck i think maybe 20 and I, i would i would drive them down here pick up my other ones pay sally um with with a check that I hope wouldn't bounce, <laughs> you know, and get back and try to collect money from from surfers, which is the hardest thing to do. Um, I think down here collecting money from surfers is a little bit easier because most people have jobs. Yeah. 
But um, but we're talking about a five or six hour drive. Each oh way. no, that was that's I back then I had I had a truck and I I you know I'm I'm such a grandpa on the on the freeway I just cruised the speed limit and so it'd take me like eight hours maybe. Wow, eight hours each way once a month. Yeah, crazy. You know, but what's cool is like you know I would stop with my my folks' house like I would come in the middle of the night and sleep at um in their driveway and like you know hang out with the folks raid their fridge go do surfing yeah do laundry and then come and um uh visit the guys at moonlight that was like coming to moonlight was like coming to like it just like it was like visiting the north pole because you know you got all these elves making boards and all these peter and sally are like mr and mrs santa claus you know and um it was always really fun and so after a couple of years of doing that i decided one summer to um live out of my van and shape down here um there was a re- old rub out room that um i think dj kane was maybe shaping out of and we were at kind of um sort of trading off time in the room to shape and those two weeks turned into months and months to where summer had ended and fall was here and I was still living out of my van in the back parking lot of Moonlight Glassing and um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do I, I didn't really didn't have an, I, I, had a, I had a lot of friends up in San Francisco but I felt like I needed a change and you know warm weather and fun waves everywhere down here just seemed like it just seemed like the right thing and the clincher was, I was parked at Beacons, and um, I remember walking down the street, I think to get a burrito or a cup of coffee or something, and I saw this house, like a block away from the beach, that had a ferret sign. And I grabbed the sign, I looked at the house, and I looked at how much they wanted for rent, and I picked the sign up and I threw it in the bushes. <laughs> I was like, no way. Um, I, and I called the lady, she came over in 15 minutes she handed me the keys i couldn't believe it i was like this is like normally like in san francisco you have to have your everything together yeah like renter's resume willing to pay above and beyond the asking price like i mean whatever it takes you know and she was like sure okay you're living alone all right what do you do okay Wow. Like those credentials in San Francisco. Oh, you're a surfboard shaper. Next. No. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you. Oh, you're poor. No, <laughs> sorry. You what? You've been living in your van. No. Right. I don't think we can trust you. This lady wanted to like. She wanted to. I think she wanted to move on. And I don't know. Maybe she. Maybe I looked a little semi trustworthy. I must have shaved or something. <laughs> I must. Um, but yeah. Since and then. Um, for about a year that house thanks to jp st pierre became the neighborhood party house Hmm. and um that was pretty nuts i it was kind of like my john belushi years maybe or my john belushi months okay (laughs) until i met um christine and all that changed okay good yeah no more parties good woman will do that to you When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. 
your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, so I'd like to kind of get into board design a little bit. Sure. Um, you have a number of interesting designs. I guess Instagram, firstly, I would think has been hugely beneficial to your business because mm -hmm. the boards look interesting. The elements are probably pretty traditional, but the aesthetics stand out and so we there's a number that we could discuss but i just figure that would take hours and hours so maybe let's focus <laughs> on one design if you have one that you would like to it like really break um, break down well i'll let you lead i think like one design that i i feel like um may, maybe it's just the most interesting one for me to talk about like at this very moment is something that like um i it's just one of my favorite designs and it's it's um basically a board with tiny fins um uh i don't know if it was 2014 or 2013 i can't remember but i remember um going out to check the waves and i saw john wagoner out with andy davis on um, john's bluegill model which has these little tiny fins about the size of a bonzer five um side fin and they were going so fast and then when instead of doing turns on the shoulder they were doing 360s and then they would hit the section and drift and like fly sideways and like come and do re-entry like and pivot off the tail and like and like pull it and and i was pulling my hair out on the cliff like what how is that possible what are they doing and so um i ran home and at the time like i was um experimenting with really deep swallowtails um as quads and i was like running around like, like okay what do i got i got i got side bites from a two plus one and i've got these quads so i took all the fins out of the quads i put the side fins in the front boxes of this quad that i had and i paddled out, out there and proceeded to lose my board on every wave yeah <laughs> and but 
towards the end, like Andy's just like, hey, man, he's like, you know, when you when you feel like you're gonna lose it, grab grab your rail, like grab Indy, or you know, and like, and you'll have a three point hold, and you'll be you'll you'll, you'll be able to go down the line, you know, be stable. I remember taking off on this wave, and instead of driving off my back foot, I just sort of set my line, kind of like I was riding a hull, and the board took off, and um, I didn't do anything but go straight. Sure. But it was the most mind-blowing feeling. Like, I, it, like I had, I, I, I just couldn't, I could never catch a wave on an Alaya. I was one of those guys, yeah. like, just, I would just be floating around, waiting for whoever borrowed my board to come back with it, <laughs> you know? Half drowning. I was going to say not really floating. Yeah, not sinking. Like sinking. And, um, you know, like, I, I just, I'm not Dave Rostovich, so I, yeah. I just can't do that. Um, but these boards, it got that, uh, I got a similar feeling to what I thought an Alaya would feel like, but on a board that I could paddle. And so, um, you know, after that, I think like these sort of finlet designs um, sort of started. Um, I started like kind of taking an, an, another look at um, rail volume. Um, my rails didn't have to be these sort of. Um, it didn't have to have like this silver dollar radius on the rail anymore. It could be like pinched, like a hull um, edge is important. Um, single concave. You don't need a whole lot of V because you're not really transitioning rail to rail. You're just trying to get water to flow off the tail. Okay. Um, and then, um, but I kept a lot of the um, other design elements like the deep swallow tails for um, for flex in the tail. Um, one exception being um, sort of the elliptical, like round nose, round tail um, doobie disc design. Um, and that one, it was, that board really generated a lot of interest thanks to Jack Coleman. Um, I had no idea it was any, any of any of his film projects were really happening. Um, I, I gave him a board to try, and I think it was maybe six months later, he just sent me an email and said, hey, click this link. I think you'll be stoked. You know, like, and I clicked on it, and it was like a movie, like a short clip movie of Ari Brown and his brother in Mexico, like just doing things on the boards I'd never seen before, like switch 360s, drip, like drifting, um, like reverse cutbacks into a 360 in the curl, and then like, like I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it was like watching skateboarding, mm. you know. Um, we like to think of it as. Um, stand-up boogie boarding so we call them subs yeah that's funny i haven't heard that but you're right that is it is like stand-up boogie boarding yeah i mean like bodyboarding sorry guys yeah i meant bodyboarding um i'll probably get i'll probably get slapped in the face with a a fin later (laughs) by somebody in the water sorry george (laughs) um well yeah the dark crystal um the sort of elliptical um, like wakeboard outlines worked really well for these finlet designs when, when they were getting under 510, 56, 5'3". And then the 5'3s um, were really magical because that's when all of that sort of like the, 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 
the golden ratios really started to crystallize and reveal themselves in those curves. I gave a board to um, to Rangi to bring on a trip um, to Baja. I think Jack was with Harry and um, they all came over in the middle of the night and on their way down and they grabbed some boards and um, they got some really good footage of um, down in the points. Mm -hmm. I can't name the points, sorry. Um, but, uh, but those boards really generated a lot of interest because they were easy to paddle. People were super surprised at how easy, they weren't easy to ride, but they weren't as hard as completely finless board. Right. So, you know, all these finlet designs, these semi-quasi-finless designs um, are, to me, they're like sort of the gateway drug to finless surfing. Um, Jack Coleman's been really instrumental in getting that those designs out to the world because uh, if you you know like if we don't surf around here and see like me and Thatcher uh, riding them and Andy and and a bunch of guys down here um, it's kind of it's it's a novelty but yeah. when people see you riding and they, they people know how I surf they're like he's not the best surfer in the world but wait he's riding that how is mm -hmm. he doing that wait if he's doing it maybe I could do it yeah and so that's always been sort of my 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 motivation to get these functional boards out there yeah I tell people hey you know like I'm not Joel Tudor you know I'm not Dan Malloy like I can but I can ride these mm -hmm. that means you can ride these like I think it's a great point and like you talked about one of your initial kind of interests in shaping being um making it fun again you know and just yeah. like every everyday waves everyday surfer and making it fun again and that's why coleman is such a good fit for helping you translate that is that that's the theme of everything every film that he's ever put out it wasn't to show who's ripping the hardest or anything like that it's us having fun yeah you know? and so i think that that's a perfect partnership for you and he yeah, and, and, and for those boards specifically, he's he's he the, just the stuff that he's been doing with um, with Kyle Kennelly up up um, up in I guess Kyle's in Costa Mesa. Yep. Um, just that little video they put out was it yesterday? <laughs> Two days sure. ago, this new mollusk video of, of Kyle riding um, a board that Travis Harder made. Travis used to be one of the QC guys here at Moonlight, and now oh, he's okay. working up. At, with um, Ryan Lovelace up in Santa Barbara. It was Trimcraft? It, Trimcraft. Yeah, it was really cool to see his name at the end of the video as the guy who shaped the board, yeah. that mid-length with the little mini fins on it. Um, yeah, Travis! <laughs> um, that was really cool. And the video just makes you want to go and surf. That's the thing. All of his videos do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's neat because I remember one of the first videos that he put well, well I guess some of the first videos like a lot of people had a hard time digesting them because they were so um, like aesthetically avant-garde yeah you know like yeah. it wasn't sort of a straight clip 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 uh, surf movie and and it wasn't guys on thrusters like doing airs you know yeah it was weird tall skinny guys like riding crouched crouchy thinness like <laughs> 
and but it was it was it was so refreshing to watch that especially like having sort of this um this like a uh, foundation of like cinematic foundation in my mind like that thomas mm-hmm. had sort of like i mean he's his it's funny to see a lot of people say oh like they're just copying thomas I'm like well i mean he did kind of set the bar yeah you know like um if you, if they're copying it's it's because it's rad totally and it's it's a tribute in every way to like even attempt to like get close to i don't know whatever thomas was thinking when he was putting these things together you know yeah pretty cool you can correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like your business uh has grown since you've been in san diego mm-hmm. and part of the reason that i like interviewing surfboard shapers is just that it's a functional art form that offers so little financial incentive so i feel like mm-hmm. the only reason to really pursue it is because of the passion of the craft so it's great to have those creative pursuits however they can also be stymied by undercapitalization. like mm-hmm. you want to explore and explore but without real profit incentive your you know creativity and exploration is somewhat limited you seem to have kept a really measured and steady growth without ever compromising your original intention um have you had to make compromises along the way um growing your brand well i think like the, the i i can't really say I, i've i've had to make any compromises because i mean i've been really lucky um i'm really grateful for all the the interest um i i, I feel like the growth is um since since you know so with social media you can kind of get the word out to a lot of people um when i used to look at my um my sort of website analytics um i I saw that you know there was a lot of people um in japan who were looking at boards um uh, a lot of visitors from japan on my website there were a lot of people from europe um it's 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 i think back in the day um and it still applies now but that your your sort of core um community that you that you make boards for has always been sort of close to home yeah you know um and that certainly applied in san francisco like i made a lot of boards for people in san francisco um mostly because um I think since it was really hard to like like people most people just surfed on the weekends Mm -hmm. and if you lived close to the beach and you had a like a job where you could surf in the morning or after work um you know you you had you had time but you didn't necessarily have the money um i i feel like i there's a couple of things that i i've done to sort of um ensure that I was doing the right thing. One of them was um, doing my best to buy things that were made in America. Um, I was really, really adamant about my fins being made here. Um, I was getting um, fins um, in Santa Cruz um, that were foiled locally. And then... um, once I found out that my fin template was being made in China, I was like, okay, 
I got to do something else. Like I, I just can't be a part of this because it just. I would rather pay somebody I know. Um. Then. Then sort of contribute to something I didn't believe in, you know. Um, down down here in in Southern California, like. Luckily, we live in the sort of like hotspot nexus of surfboard production where, um, you know, I can give my fin templates to uh, Jack Jensen and, you know, three days later, I'll have a bag in front of my shaping room with nicely foiled fiberglass fins. Um, the FCS boxes were made in Southern California, you know, like um, they're I could I could find the I could I could name everybody who touched the board. Every I could just close my eyes and point to a part of it and be like, oh yeah, um, you know, Gary and Ninoa laminated this and um, Andy Hawk coded it or Dave did the fins, mm -hmm. you know. So like it made me feel good about like sticking to that program where I I did see people um, there was especially after. Um, Clark, you know, there are a lot of people going around saying like, "See, guys, you should have just should have be do you should be doing this overseas," you know. And the guys who were doing that were all the big, the big house shapers, you know. Yeah. Um. Smaller sort of, um, it's funny to say boutique shapers because it's got this sort of like weird connotation to it, but like, um. You know, guys who just sort of did custom orders and like boards for local shops like I feel like um, we took a big hit but we you know a lot of us stuck to like our beliefs and we stuck together yeah and we're still here and and if anything like um, we're offering a better product than we used to yeah so it's good what does that mean um, I do hear a lot of surfboard shapers talk about quality mm -hmm. what does quality mean in a surfboard um, well, I mean, here at Christensen Moonlight, um, one of the biggest things I think is um, using catalyzed resin instead of UV-activated resin. It's stronger. Um, when you get a board, um, if you order a board with color or if you just want it to last longer, you, can, you get a gloss coat and it seals the hot coat so that um, water doesn't seep in through all the microscopic pits in the hot coat over time, you know? Um, I do make a lot of boards that are um, um, clear sanded, sanded hot coats. Um, a lot of it's because of the price point, um, especially if you're, um, everyone's sort of competing for rack space in shops. And, um, you know, um, there's nothing like picking up a, like a board that you, in your mind you're looking at it and like, oh, it, it's gonna do this when it, when, you know, when I when I catch a wave, it's gonna do this or do that, and you pick it up, and, and if it's heavy, it's kind of like oh, oh no. But you know, I always try to tell people like, well, heavy is momentum, and heavy is durability, and you know, um, if it doesn't work out for you, you could sell it for, you know, more than half of what you paid for it. You know, especially if like um, there's a market for it. Yeah. And luckily, trying to keep this sort of balance between um, um, having a board that's like disposable and having a board that's sort of like this um, 
archival heirloom. Yeah. You know, that's sort of trying to find that happy medium is what I'm trying to shoot for. And um, I'm, I'm really lucky that the, 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 the market in Japan sort of drives what we do in California because of the gray market. Um, I've had to raise my prices um, because of that sort of gray market. Like, um, there's a lot of guys who'll come from Japan and, you know, they used to be able to just go and visit every shop and buy out racks of boards because it was like less than wholesale for them. You know, they had the import tax, they had to ship them out there, but you could pretty much set up your own surf shop if you wanted, if you had the operating capital to do it. Um, after working with um, my dealers in Japan who um, sort of, you know, clued me in on all of this, um, we worked out a way to like um, organize the pricing structure to sort of not eliminate the gray market. You can't really, you can't ever really eliminate it, but um, make it a lot harder for those guys to compete with um, the distributors and the shops that um, you want to support. You know, um, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I think like the export market's always been um, an important part of any business. Mm -hmm. Like, if you have a product that work is is really desirable in America, there's no reason why you, it shouldn't be desirable in other places. You know? Yeah. It's why we, so we a lot of woodworkers want German tools, and it's it's not because it's just because it's from Germany it's because it works yep it works really well you know or and it pushes American manufacturing to try to keep up yeah with with those standards and I, I think it's competition is good sure in that in that in that in that respect how would you like to see your business grow <clears throat> um it's hard to say I mean like growing I, I've always been on the slow growth model just because any big um, uh, in this industry it's hard to do things that are risky because there isn't a whole lot of money in it so being very cautious and um, doing little things it all adds up mm -hmm. you know like when I luckily you know with that end of Instagram social media where you can like you can in the morning come up with an idea or the night before come up with an idea come and shape it take a picture of it put it on out there and say like this is what i'm working on and you, cumulatively if you do that every day um it all adds up to something and i feel like um we're always sort of testing the waters you know like i wonder if people will like this i wonder if people will like this it it it's all based on feedback, you know? Like, me and my friends, we all love it all. Because <laughs> we're all so weird, you know? And we're lucky enough to have waves in front of the house that where we can, like... Like, um, I mentioned Thatcher earlier. He's, um... He, um Thatcher Unsworth's um, my neighbor across the street, and his family grew up in Lucadia. He grew up... He grew up surfing beacons and... Um, and he's one of like my test pilots and he's also one of like my like design guys where if I come up with a fin template, I go, Hey Thatcher, can you foil this out for me? And he's like, sure. And he'll come he'll drop he'll drop it off and it'll be made out of like aluminum. Something deadly. 
you know like like okay i guess i'll try it i hope i don't cut my femoral artery <laughs> but you know and we've been really lucky so far he's got this little project called um yabai fin company and yabai in japanese means dangerous nice oh. and so yeah it's like you know when his board flips over in the water and like people like are like oh my god does that guy have does he have metal fins why is he that's nuts why is he doing that you know um but we have we have a lot of fun on these little mini fin boards um all the um super flexy dongle fins i don't even know what he wants to call them but they're they're mind-blowing in that not only do they work but they're actually really fun to surf okay it's not like oh I'm barely surfing I'm barely surfing like no we're he he's catching waves he's doing everything he can do on a normal surfboard and he's trying to make it harder <laughs> hmm. but he's not trying to make it harder for the sake of like the difficulty factor he's making it harder to make it more interesting okay. I think like for people who have been surfing all their lives um, they can pick up a thruster or a two plus one or a, any kind of regular surfboard and surf, but it might be kind of boring. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's why that, that, that the, the first sort of renaissance of design that came around with the fish, um, it came out around at a perfect time where there were just enough people out there who were open-minded enough to try something different and when they did try it it was sort of that um it was the catalyst for them to tr like well if this works what about this what about this what about this and there were other guys who were like um you know there's all kinds of people you know some guys don't want to deviate because they've been trying so hard to figure this out yeah and they want to stick to it and that's in in a lot of ways you can say that's why shortboard surfing has progressed yeah so far because the the level of refinement with the trifin and those outlines and those bottom contours is super 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 dialed you know coupled with really athletic people it's yeah. it, it 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 all adds up to really amazing surfing but it's it's out of the reach out of reach for most it's of not us relatable. you know what i mean it's um it's awesome to watch yeah it's kind of like you know watching skateboarding like cool yeah like okay let's go to a skate shop and get some skateboards and you go and you're like now what do we do <laughs> like, <laughs> slam yeah i'm just gonna fall but we'll go we'll get pumped and watch another skate video and then yeah. we'll go out and skate you know yeah. but you know um same thing with serving it's just yeah. sort of this this happy meeting medium of like let's just go have fun because we don't have anything be else better to do right now yeah. with our lives because we're, we're so weird. We don't want to go out and make a ton of money. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you brought up fins because it's become this recurring conversation that we have on the show with different shapers and, and other mm -hmm. people too. And I feel overwhelmed by the topic like there's too much to learn i mean surfboard design alone is super complicated mm -hmm. and there's a million variables sure and then fins it's mm -hmm. just like number of fins and then also um obviously foil can't rake all of it is very mm -hmm. confusing to me 
let's start with do you have a preferred um, construction material for fins? I think like regular old fiberglass has always been sort of my my baseline okay you know um it's it's easily accessible um it's a it's a it's a durable fin material and i feel like for the amount of energy that goes into it you get a lot out of it okay um i mean it's just been it's been common knowledge for a very long time that like glass on fiberglass fins were sort of like this standard you know like um when when before fin boxes came out when you when you looked at like guys on tour you know all had really dialed in fins fiberglass fins glass on you know templates were different because of the fillets almost adds like half an inch mm. to the overall to the overall base length of the fin um you know with the advent of fin boxes it's freed up a lot of um options i used to really really try to get people to to just get glass on fins just because i was like hey this is pretty much the best performance it was performance first you know um but you know a lot of people were traveling um it was hard to get boards through a factory without um getting knocked out by your sander and your laminator and all, all the guys in the in the production line who were working on your boards because it's it's a lot more work um i used to be super against fin boxes but now like when i when i think about all of the options that's that that i've i've, I've been um fortunate to to be able to try new different fin templates um when i'm when i'm when i'm working on a design that <clears throat> um being able to put different wings on the airplane really helps the sort of design process move along a little bit faster um you know before it was like oh if it didn't work you just you know you took your grinder out and you you ground off the bases of your fins you snapped them off you ground it flat and you sort of figured out where you're going to put the next set you know and um there's there's a lot of um like romance in that sort of you know if if i didn't have to make money doing this you know if like i was someone who's independently wealthy and just could work on design sure i would just do it and like you know kind of sort of lay claim to being a purist yeah you know um you can be a purist once you get there <laughs> and getting there is hard because you're 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 constantly trying to reduce how many variables there are in a board design so that you can pinpoint what is the difference between um model a and model b right and um fin boxes have been really instrumental helpful in in achieving that and it's also really made me um focus on like um i guess there there, there are a lot of um like f 
foils that are just sort of inaccessible to the to the, the regular guy you know like a lot of the the really cool stuff that's coming out from the um the like fin companies like futures and fcs like they're they're dealing with foils that are like they're naca foils you know they're really specialized foils they're they're not just flat on one side and like foiled on the other you know inside foil um leading edge stuff um trailing edge stuff um composite materials all that stuff is like it's at their it's at their disposal because they 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 have the operating capital to actually do that um um, the the cool thing about going towards a minimalist approach, like starting with fiberglass and then reducing fin surface area to the point where like we've just got just enough to give you directional st- um, stability. The rest is up to you. Mm-hmm. And then what what's really cool about that is letting go of all of the sort of technical stuff. Um, I feel like it gives you a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially with a wave, and you know, I don't want like it's funny because one of my mentors, um, Kirk Putnam, he asked me like, "Hey, are you gonna you know?" Because we were talking about um, board lengths, you know, like, are you gonna surf any differently on a eight foot board than you would a seven foot board? You know, so why don't you just ride the eight foot board, catch more waves, you know? Um, with with all of this stuff with the finlet the finlet stuff letting go and just letting the wave do whatever it's gonna do especially if like you're going Mach 10 and you're you're going butt first you don't know what's over your shoulder except for what you can see out of the corner of your eye mm-hmm. that's what makes it really fun I feel like um, the, une- the, the the best sensations come out of unexpected situations you know, and putting yourself in those unexpected situations, those situations where you are not in control, that's when like time slows down. It's kind of like, like I don't get tubed a lot because we live in North County. You know, there are waves that are hollow when we do get waves, but the the boys are usually on it. There's not a lot of room. You know, kind of like time slows down when you're getting barreled. Right. You know, but. Because it's something that doesn't happen a whole lot, but yeah. when, but when you are drifting, like on a head-high wave, sideways or backwards, and you're presented with a new situation, we're like, "Whoa, I'm going. My board's locked in, but I'm going backwards, and I'm on a high line, and I'm grabbing Indy, and I'm just, I'm just so amazed that I'm still here." You know, that's when like the new, like for me, like that's what the new stuff is. That's the stuff that I want to get back to. Yeah. So all of this stuff about like fins and technology, it's like the, this reductionist thing going back to finless surfing is like, for me, it's, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to keep trying to do it until my back gives out right. or it, well, I can't do it. But then like, you know, I, I, um, I run into guys like, uh, Tim Hurley, you know, I think he's in his late fifties maybe riding the small smaller finless boards than i am and he's frothing yeah and so like maybe they're we're not really having to like shoot for that light at the end of the tunnel all the time like the light is here Mm. fascinating keep keep going um do you ride other shaper surfboards and how valuable is that to your own shaping experience yeah 
<laughs> um, it's kind of like eating food, cooking food. Like if you ate your own food all the time, it'd be kind of boring, you know. <laughs> like, like I, um, I wrote, a, I actually wrote a, a, a Greg Little that I've had for a really long time. It's six eight, and um, it it's a it's a nice reset, especially if you're trying to like get another perspective, you know. Um, between the little and Andrini's boards, those are probably the only ones that I really ride on a daily okay. basis, unless I switch boards with people. Um, a lot of the boards I've, like every once in a while I'll switch with like um, somebody riding like a, a Gary Hanel. And, and I'll be like, whoa, this is amazing. Cool, now I got a great story to tell Gary when I run into him on the cliff, you know, like I rode one of your boards, like it was rad. Like I, I did this cutback and then like, came back around and like, Dude, yeah. I carved the lip. <laughs> <laughs> Try to make up some names for him. So right. Can, so we can, I always have to like give him an up something, some kind of material for him to make fun of me. <laughs> before I do, because if I if I do it myself, it beats him. Yep. He can't make fun of me. Right. So I have to make fun of myself first. It's smart strategy. It's a little easier. A couple of questions in closing to try <laughs> to satisfy our surf goals for the end of the day. Sure. Um, what surf media do you consume nowadays? Uh, do you read, subscribe to magazines? Do you watch films, web edits? Um, it's, I don't, I don't know if I do anymore. But what's the cool thing is, is like living, like working at the factory, like anything that's happening in the world, is being talked about around the factory. So it's kind of like, we're pretty much up to date. Right. At I mean, if there's anything like, and you know, like Instagram kind of offers like a broad spectrum of like what's happening now stuff. Um, and that's fun. Yeah. It can be like a little tedious. Like, why am I still looking at Instagram? It's 2 a.m. I need to go to sleep. Like pe- someone's going to find out that I'm like liking something at 2 a.m. and make fun of me. Like, why are you go to sleep, dude? Yeah surf in the morning are you gonna wake up in the morning what are you doing yeah i'm gonna wake up and then i'm gonna check instagram yeah. immediately why am i hitting this button i meant to open mail so among instagram what are your favorite accounts to follow um surf or otherwise <laughs> give me some meme accounts um, maybe no i i it's funny like my my favorite instagram accounts are like weird animal accounts of that course. like i think i think chill wildlife is my favorite is just it? because animals are the best that i mean who wants to watch like videos of guys like getting pitted and sla- and big slabs slabby waves like that's sort of like yeah i can always click on that but when you know w- when are you gonna see a dog like 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 wrestling a cat or something and like they're playing or like yeah you know i saw the it's, best one this morning it was a goat jumping off a barrel and doing like a side kick off the thing no way it was the best yeah i mean that's it was to impress for some email. reason some reason that's just a lot more interesting to me than yeah um what's on instagram but maybe i'm just taking it for granted because the world is so amazing everyone's doing so many amazing things right now that like and it's all like kind of like on this platform where we all yeah. can kind of compare notes um I, sometimes I just need to, to watch some animals doing some funny stuff and it kind of gives me like a little reset. I agree. Um, what surfers are you most excited to watch nowadays? Ooh. Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> like, if it, like, let me ask it this There's way. There's so many good ones. I just, I just oh, don't okay. ever watch. I don't ever watch anything anymore. So I don't even know who's doing what. But if you're on Insta and you're scrolling rapidly and you see somebody's name, who is it that'll make you stop um, to watch the clip? I've, I've always liked the way um, um, Dave Rostovich has served. And we don't get to see enough of him. Yeah, and it's he's so he does so many unexpected things and it's really refreshing it's like it to me it's at the same time progressive and then as it and it's at the same time it's timeless yeah um it it makes me any that kind of surfing makes me want to just drop whatever i'm doing and go surf totally mush balls in front of my house you know like um and um he's a super nice guy that makes it even like cooler because he's not he he's 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 doing it for the, for the love you know it's yeah. pretty rad what does your current quiver look like um i've been riding um some bigger boards lately bigger for me okay. like uh like a 63 um kind of fuller nosed round pin um i've been surfing it as a um twin plus one okay um just um my lead fins off of my quad set with a little trailer that I that I drew up um, kind of looks like a mini Greeno 4A, um, and that's sort of like my daily driver when it's when the, when we actually get waves, and um, and then um, my standard like issue like arc swallowtail quad is always part of the quiver. I've been surfing kind of like we had. We had kind of a weird summer, so I, I was I was riding um, bigger ones like in the five nine range instead of a five six or five four, um, and those are all quads. And then um, as far as like the finlet boards, um, they've been getting longer instead of shorter. For a while they were going shorter, like I was down to like five three five one, um, but now I'm I'm up to like with especially with the deep swallowtails like um, I've got. 510 and um i've got oh i think they sold <laughs> i got rid of a lot of boards this Did summer you? yeah but um the board that i'm waiting for right now is it's in the factory it's a six nine deep swallowtail with mini fins um boxes so i can swap out all the little weird templates that i'm working on with thatcher um and between those three boards like that kind of satisfies everything and then when cool. it's like knee high like it's like there was a, a dry spell in like September that was awful, and so I have like a ten foot glider okay. that sort of I take down to the beach and, and just catch little waves, and it makes it fun again just to go straight. And a board that you shaped? Yeah. 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 If you could get one board from any other shaper on the planet, what would you get, and from whom? Ooh, that's a good question. Um. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I could even answer that right now. That's like it's weird because I think the re- the reason why I can't answer that is because I've been I've just had my nose buried in like this this little world in my shaping room where I'm like kind of working on stuff. Um if I could get one, I would love to get a nose rider from Brandy Yater. Um I rode one once and I felt like I could do anything on it. Mm. 
like it was the most natural surfboard I ever rode. Wow. Yeah, it's like a step deck. Yeah. And I felt like I could do anything. Yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's it's a board that I don't I can't make. You know, <laughs> it's okay. it's like I just can't. That thing is it's so advanced. It's so so epic. I would think that you would be able to get one from Rennie. Like you could track him down pretty easily. Mm, I don't know. You don't think maybe so? I maybe 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 Mark could be the threshold there guardian for me or something. Yeah. But yeah, that that's been on my list for a really long time. I for a long time I wanted a Diffenderfer. Um, I wanted a a big board for bigger waves from Diff, but um, that time has passed. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think that's kind of my short list right there. What's your current relationship like with surfing? How often? All that. Um, well, you know, I in the summertime, like, it's busy, so I'll, I'll, I'll shape before I surf so that I can have my dessert after whatever I have to do. Um, but since the time change, it's been nice to be able to, like, surf in the mid-morning and then get to work around 2 and shape tool whenever and come home and have dinner it's a good schedule yeah it's pretty mellow um i'm really lucky to have that schedule but i think i've i've been working my whole life to towards being semi-retired mm-hmm. my wife hates that word she's like no why she wants you working she wants i don't know she doesn't like the sound of it for some reason <laughs> semi-retirement but you know i figure like um as long as you're doing what you love to do, like um, the t- work isn't so much work. Yeah, you know, it's it's what you do to 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 knock out the rent, and then everything else is cheddar, sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah, I can say that now because we just have three dogs. We don't have kids. Right. It's easier. Yep. Easier to map out a future that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, the final question for everybody interviewed is just what was the last surfboard that you rode? Well, let's see. This morning, um, it was a 6.8 Little. Um, just a uh, round nose, round tail. Fin almost not all the way up. Okay, so single fin? Yeah. Um, super fun to just sort of reset and, and fine trim yeah I think that's like it sets it sets you up for the rest of the day yeah awesome yeah cool well thanks man you're welcome thanks nice for having chatting. me yeah you Manny Caro for all the education and again so much of your time Uh, we could have been surfing during that time the waves are pretty good and we actually didn't make it down to the beach before it got dark so we kind of blew it with our scheduling but nevertheless great to get you on the mics Manny have you contribute to this ongoing conversation about surfboard design and then thank you to listener if you like this content and you would like to get more of it we encourage you to support this show you could do it in three ways 
The first is just share the show with friends. The more people that we have listening, um, the more we can attract great guests like Manny Caro. But we can also set up kind of mutually beneficial affiliation deals like we have with Fanatic.com. It is awesome. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who have signed up since I've been talking about it. But Fanatic.com, it's basically Netflix for fans when Netflix used to send DVDs to your house. Uh, you rent fins. They have every fin from all the big manufacturers. Literally every single product that FCS and Future has, they have on their website. And you basically pay ten bucks a month. They ship them to your house. You ship them. You write them as long as you want. Send them back. They send you the next set of fins off your queue. All the postage is paid for in your ten bucks a month subscription. It's ridiculous. So what you get as a listener of this show is your first month free. So if you sign up, use the promo code podcast, you'll get a month free, and then we will get our affiliation um, incentive. So thank you for that. Definitely check them out. Definitely support. You could also link through surfsplendorpodcast.com to find them. And you'll also see all the videos that we discuss in this show on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And the third way to support us is also on the website, which is just the donation button. We have a PayPal donation platform set up, so you can just subscribe for five bucks a month that'll go a long way to creating this content we have so much planned for 2018 um and i'm just excited i'm excited i'm not going to get into it yet because i don't want to spoil anything i'd rather generate the work first and then talk about it after but lots to come so look forward to that and then rate and review the show in itunes or whatever podcast app you listen in that's really cool i love seeing those reviews i need to actually incorporate those into the show and read you some of the stuff that other people are saying because um pretty funny oftentimes so and i believe that's it i believe i've done my job here today um check in next week on spitpodcast.com or just open up your app and subscribe to spit surf podcast because i'm going to be having a conversation with scott bass next week covering all of surf news so go over subscribe to that podcast and check that out all right until then this is of course david scales for shaping surfing on the Surf Splendor Network, reminding you, get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred on.